Welcome to the podcast that we have strategically named Sink or Swim, and it is about our lived experience with COVID-19 and how it has changed the world around us, but most specifically how it's changed our life. Hey, good morning, Doug. Hey, Monty. How are you doing today? I am great today. How are you? Well, I'm actually having an okay day. It's, you know, it goes up and down and just like everybody deals with that has our stuff, sometimes we have good days, sometimes we have bad. Yeah, it's a mediocre day for me. I really appreciate you joining us on the podcast with Sink or Swim, a long COVID long haulers podcast. I appreciate the opportunity to actually share and learn about this war that we're fighting every day with our help. Well, here we are. We covered a whole lot. Yeah, we Um, did. The disappointments and the struggles, those are my biggest obstacles with this whole thing is it's so nice to know. That sounds terrible to say, but it is nice to know that I'm not alone, that there are others. I I tell my wife all the time, man, I don't want you to have this. (laughs) The last thing in the world I would ever wish, even on my worst enemy, is to have to deal with this on a daily basis. Right. And it's so many different levels of it that no two people really have it the same. You know, one has a a light case, another one has a more more tougher case. And then then there's those, you know, more Mm -hmm. in the hospital. You know, I just hope that families that that aren't, that didn't experience the illness, but their family member did just to, to understand, you know, some of us, you know, I had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to take care of myself again. There's so many things that we had to overcome to get where we are now, but just keep that understanding. Just be patient. I love that. Yeah. You're talking to other long haulers, long COVIDs. And if you were told you can say five things to them, I would say, you're not alone. You have the support of um, those that, that we're all dealing with it. You're not alone. This, the struggle is real, and we will, get, we will get through this. There is another side to it. But the one thing we have to remember is it's a plan and a purpose, and we, will, we're, we are. We're going to come out on the other side much better. Does faith play any part in how you deal with this? Faith plays a big part of it. Um, I will say I don't practice my faith as much and as often as I should. But, you know, when I thought I was going to die, my my faith in my creator helped me through it and continues, you know. So every time I go to the doctor and they say, well, it's better, it's better, it's the same, it's not worse, it's better, then I know that the plan is continuing. We have to find blessings in different ways than what we used to find them. Yes, Yes. And I, uh, in my email, uh, I finish off my email. A lot of people just say thank you and sign their name. On my email, I finish it with be blessed, comma, it's a choice. Yes. And I did see that and I thought that was great. Literally, that's one way that, I mean, how your faith, how you define your faith, but to be blessed as a long hauler, a long COVID survivor, to be blessed, we have to make the choice to be so. Yes. And in order to have a day or turn a day around, we have to look for those blessings. Make yourself right. do it because on the other side of that is the blessing that you will find your child, your spouse, your friend, 
you achieved something. And I don't even care how big that something is. It sounds ridiculous to some people that don't have to deal with it. But sometimes just getting to get in the car and go drive is an achievement that feels yeah. like a blessing that day That's and right. you know i i still do i still do all of my work uh i still work i still do the production stuff i still do attorney stuff i i still work so i still accomplish work work is part of my blessing at the end of the day it is a blessing that i got to do what i get to do and who i get to work with. so right. it is a blessing i, I do yeah. need to say though we've had to redefine your work <laughs> absolutely that you were able to modify the way you work going to a job outside of the home right now would not be easy for you i i really i have empathy for the people who have to clock in clock out and meet the rules of the general population workforce when it's so hard to do that it is you know and especially you know being a long hauler it's it's hard on those days that you know you just feel like you can't put one foot in front of the other but you know you have to be there yeah um and it it is hard and i will say that is part of my blessing is being able to get here because sometimes getting here doesn't make it better. Not not all the time. There sometimes your body is just fatigued to the point that, you know, you're just ready for the day to be done. But sometimes just getting here and seeing my coworkers or walking down the hallway, it does make it better. It does make me feel a little better. So I have a I have a tremendous, wonderful employer who has supported me through this whole entire ordeal and never once had me worried or concerned about where my place was with the company. I am fortunate. They allowed me to work from home until I was ready to come back. That's only been about eight, nine months ago. That is part of my blessing. Thank you very much. I mean, you may not, you, you have probably said it, but to hear it from a third person that understands where you're coming from. Thank you very much for understanding, for being flexible, for sometimes giving what you have given even though you don't understand how or why it helped because when you guys do that for us we want to work harder for you and let's see the last three sentences you wrote at the end of the email you sent me my family feels i should be over this by now my spouse is patient but i can tell it's beginning to take a toll this illness has taken my life my family my marriage for me i have to get better so i can get it all back this can't be the life i was meant to have hi this is stacy nursing celebrated a milestone in 2020 it was called the year of the nurse but it was also the year of the pandemic So in honor of the year of the nurse, I created a t-shirt that quotes Florence Nightingale and her vision of nursing. Go to Frontline Nurse Facebook page to see the t-shirt that was created in honor of the year of the nurse. Thank you for joining. Hey world, so we are here with Monty McPhee. Monty is just like a lot of us are. She has acquired the coronavirus and she is now dealing with exactly what a lot of us are dealing with. Long COVID, long haulers, no matter what you call it, uh, it really sucks. And sometimes we have good days, sometimes we have bad days. So Monty McBee is here with us. Monty, I want to tell you thank you. 
I want to tell you how much I appreciate the fact that you're willing to share with us and everyone that's listening around the world. And if you would, please tell us a little bit about yourself so that we and the listeners can get to know you a little bit. Thank you, Doug. And, and I, again, I appreciate this opportunity. It's, it, it means a world to me uh, to be able to share um, with somebody else the same, the same things. So I'll, I'll tell you, I am a 59-year-old married woman with five children and seven grandchildren. Um, they're all, you know, the love of my life and the most important part of my everyday. I work in the entertainment business uh, here in Oklahoma, and it's just, it's been a it's been a whirlwind. My life has been fantastic and amazing, and we enjoyed raising our children and getting to the point of being a couple again. Uh, our kids are all moved out and have their own families, and we, we just enjoyed the empty nest. Um, we didn't dread it. Uh, we just enjoyed being with each other. So that's kind of where I am in my life at this point outside of, uh, you know, the COVID incident. Give us the beginning story of where you came from with the infection of the coronavirus. Well, I know for a fact um, I went against my better judgment and had dinner in late October of 2020 at a restaurant. I know for a fact that's where I got it. It was on a Friday. I became ill on the following Monday. I had some relatives at the same dinner become ill at the same time. So I went against my better judgment and gathered together with a bunch of people. You were able to pretty specifically identify where you acquired it. What time of year was this? When was this that you acquired it? This was actually, it was October 30th of 2020. This was a few months into the pandemic. So it was cooler outside. I think we had just had a huge ice event here uh, in our area. Everybody was really, you know, flaw, uh, just going towards, you know, being inside all the time. And if I recall around that time, it was also we were wearing masks or uh, the mask mandate was in effect. Was were, were you guys wearing masks? Was the people in the restaurant wearing masks? Kind of what was the atmosphere at the time when you were infected? I would say the customers inside, no, they were not. They were all enjoying their food and their drinks. The servers, uh, employees there, yes, they, they were wearing their masks. Okay. And I would put my door, take it off and take it off. The one thing that uh, I pretty much say on every podcast, because I want our listeners to know that they can they can get the politics, they can get the all of the other stuff, the social media stuff, all of that stuff. They can get that in a whole bunch of places. Here on our podcast, 1000% of the time, we're going to avoid the politics. It doesn't mean we aren't going to talk about facts of what happens. Just like right. I asked, you know, do we wear masks or where are we wearing it? Did you get the injection? Did you not? All those kind of things. I'm not going to ask you or any other guest to explain why from the politics sense. Right. Who were doing just like all the rest of us. I mean, we went to restaurants and we sat down. We took off our masks. We ate our food sitting more than six feet away from everybody. Waiters, waitresses wore their masks. We were all doing the best that we could, but... We still got exposure and we still caught this, didn't we? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, did you get any of the injections for the vaccine? I did. Um, I did. I received them all. 
Okay. Uh, even the booster. And I'm just waiting on the time limit to receive my second booster. Which one did you get? Moderna. Okay. Stacy and I got the Pfizer vaccines. Just to let you know and everybody else know that we did it based on the fact that we weighed the risks and we weighed the benefit. And just like everybody else, we made the decision based on what we felt were the benefit. She's a nurse. I already had covid I don't need it again because it already sucks from the first time. That's right. That was my biggest reason, you know, to protect those, you know, I loved. But that was my biggest reason is I can't do that again. I just can't. In your email to me, you sent some uh, details about what happened after you started to get sick. So if you would start to walk through, okay, I got sick. You told us about that. What happened after that? How did you progress? What happened? After about first five days, I, it seemed to be okay. I was feeling kind of icky, for lack of a better word, but not too bad. But after about the seventh or eighth day, it all just kind of, it just flipped. It just went from okay to, to bad. I think my husband and daughter, they called an ambulance, I want to say on about the 14th day of me being sick. That had That would be about six or seven, eight days of being, oh, kind of icky, but then those last seven days were terrible. So that that's when I was admitted into the first hospital. Okay. So when you were admitted to the hospital, what were basically the symptoms that you were dealing with? So high fever, 104 or higher, uh, terrible body aches. I could not, I could not stay awake. Um, I couldn't eat. I couldn't swallow anything. Couldn't drink. My oxygen levels were severely low. They were in the mid 80s. And that's pretty much all I remember about that, about that point in time. Okay. So did you go into the emergency room? Did you go to your family doctor? Where did you start into the healthcare system? Now, I did get tested through my primary doctor initially, and he's the one that diagnosed it. Uh, with COVID, as COVID with testing. But okay, when so you I became, had a positive COVID test. I did, yeah. On on November 2nd, okay. I had the uh, positive test. Okay, and then it was a handful of days after that that you ended up feeling bad enough to go where? The emergency room, or did you call yes. your doctor? The emergency room. Yes, we went straight to the emergency room. I'm curious how that went, if you can remember that coronavirus. It's a fact that it is. It's a dilemma. Do. Yeah, yeah it's, you battle with yourself. I battled with myself on whether I was sick enough to go hospital to the emergency room or whether I was just going to get better. At the point where I realized I could not stand on my own, I was too weak and I wasn't eating or drinking, um, I finally just relinquished and said, whatever it is, it is, I have to go. I have to try to get better. What was your, what was your family doing right now? I mean, did they realize the level of what was going on or how was your family right now? They were extremely worried, uh, scared. They knew that I was very sick. You know, I'm sleeping all the time, so I'm not really comprehending how sick I really am. I'm not paying attention to that. I'm just sleeping. But they knew I needed medical care. So by November of 2020, uh, I know in the state of Oklahoma and other states, especially Northeast and out towards California, the West Coast, we were already having significant deaths, significant hospitalizations, significant effects of coronavirus. Were you and your family aware of that? Was that impacting kind of what you were doing and how you were doing with your decision making? 
I'm going to say it had some what to do with my decision. I was afraid if I did go to the hospital that I would not survive. You know, and yes, we were very well aware. It was just really in your face all the time. You know, in your face when you're at home watching the news or at work where everybody's masked in a mask or you're being tested at work before the day begins or it was just so in our face you couldn't really avoid it. It was a terrifying moment on making that decision. I know the the national news everyone gets to see it but in local news throughout Oklahoma and the Midwest here they were just as concentrated on always giving the reports of how many illnesses, how many positives, how many deaths, how many hospitalizations. Hey, if you're listening to our podcast, please like and share. Help us to build the community that needs to hear this. We really would appreciate your support. Explain to people about once you went to the hospital, So I did, I will say I get emotional sometimes with this because most people don't understand the dramatic emotional impact of what this does to us. So to our listeners that have not had coronavirus and are not long haulers and long COVID, it's something that is absolutely at the same level as what we deal with in the physical sense because okay. it's, I'm glad so, you said that. it's so alone. I mean, literally, we feel so alone in this that nobody understands. We cannot, somehow, we cannot get people outside of the long COVID, long haulers. We can't get them, the doctors, anybody to really, really, really understand. So I just want our listeners that are not long COVID long haulers, I want you to understand that we are not crybabies. We are not sympathy seekers. It is just as high level on our effects in the emotional aspect as it is in the physical aspect. Right. And that's that's the biggest purpose of this entire thing is I just want everybody that's suffering like I am or like we are to know it is true. It is real. They're not alone. They're not. Absolutely. We are not. Absolutely. We are doing this for you, the listener, that you are listening right now, feeling exactly the same way. And maybe one of the family members, because that's another struggle I have that I'm hoping we can talk about is the family members that don't understand it. And maybe this will give them some enlightenment too. It is a real thing. It is a real life changing event. I want to take you back and I want to talk about from the point you went into the emergency room forward to your hospital admission, start in the ER and just walk us through everything that you remember to the detail. So I was dropped off at the ER by my daughter and husband. And of course, you remember at that time, you couldn't have anyone with you. As I'm going down the hallway, I asked the nurse if I could just one more time, you know, let me, let me tell my family. Just, I just want to tell them that I love them and that I will talk to them soon. And she said, they're already gone. So I got into the emergency room and I had a fantastic nurse. He was so patient with me and calming. He helped me relax and he told me every single thing he was doing. I don't remember too much after that. I do remember bits and pieces of being in ICU. I remember trying to eat during that period in time. It was about 10 days, but I don't remember a whole lot. So timing wise... 
we're only a handful of days past when you had the positive COVID, right? Right. I'd like to hear you and Stacy talk about the effects of your family not being able to be with you in the hospital. Well, Monty, first of all, what I have to say is that um, as a nurse and as a nurse educator, I hope that it was one of my nurses that I've had the opportunity to help educate that took care of you (laughs) because that's what I that is what I hope that all of the nurses that I educate go out and be a vessel that touches someone's life the way you just described I will never forget him I will tell you that he was the kindest most comforting part of that whole that whole event that makes Um, my heart smile yeah um he he had COVID as all as well and he knew yeah what I was dealing with but he was yeah he was just soft-spoken and this is what we're doing this is what I'm doing this is what we're giving you I mean just all those normal things but just comforting I, I love hearing that I think that one of the things that I believe and I'm going out on a limb saying this I really believe that one of the things that we're going to find in the future as we study coronavirus and the way that um, we responded to taking care of patients during this time is eliminating the family from the equation. In my heart, I believe that we're going to find that that was probably detrimental to the patients. I don't know how we could have done it differently. I hope we figure it out before anything like that happens again. In my mind, I've thought many times how many patients could have been saved if they just would have had their family there and not feel like they're socially and completely isolated from the world. Well, that's a very good choice of words because that's exactly, exactly how I felt because you're alone in a room and I even had a robot in my room uh, watching me. Yes, it is very isolating and I felt very shut off. <clears throat> and I think that I think that may have played, you know, a part in how long it took me to actually get the motivation to begin recovering. I didn't have a human touch. It was just a human touch that I think I needed. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. That human touch, the presence of someone that is near and dear and has your best interest. I am pretty comfortable saying that the nurse has your best interest, but the nurse is not your family. Correct. Correct. Is there any way that you were able to communicate with your family? Initially, no. Uh, I had so many machines on that it was hard for me to hear. Number one, I'm not sure why. It was just very difficult for me to hear. Um, But the especially about the first, I'm going to say the first 20, 25 days, I really didn't have the drive or motivation to pick my phone up to try to communicate. It was just so overwhelming and all the machines and all of the things that they were trying to do to make me better. I did not really communicate with my family. Now my nurses did on my behalf. Yeah. I took care of my family. I did everything. I bought the groceries, I paid the bills, I cleaned the house, I groomed the dogs, I made the appointments, I, I organized all of that. <clears throat> so when I was completely out of the picture because of COVID, you know, I cannot even begin to imagine the, I don't know, not the frustration, but the, the things that my husband was having to, to do 
just all of a sudden. My family feels I should be over this by now. My spouse is patient, but I can tell it is beginning to take a toll. This illness has taken my life, my family, and my marriage from me. I have to get better so I can get it all back. This can't be the life I was meant to have. Hey world, that letter was from Monty to me in an email. This is part of what we're going to be discussing in her next episode. This is number one of three. Follow, like, please share. More than just you and I want to hear what Monty has to say. So follow, you get to hear the number two of three that comes out soon. Thank you again. And world, there is well over 20 different countries listening now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please follow, please like, please share.